0: Welcome, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the pushy broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show, Recovery Recharged, with my illustrious co-host, Dr. Pat. How you doing, Doc?
1: I'm really excited about this show today. You know, um, I think every day we're learning more and more and more about the redefinition of addiction to match the current times we're living in. And it is about time, right? Don't you think that we're starting to include the many or multifaceted aspects of addiction? Because once upon a time, it meant one or two things. But now, like there's a whole new world. There's a whole new set of things, right? And that's what you're bringing today. We have a great guest,
0: right? That's exactly right. And one of the reasons why I put this show together with your help and with your blessing is that we're not only talking about substance misuse, alcohol and drugs, but we've brought together so many guests over the course of these almost three years that handle process addictions. And what we mean by process addictions are addictions that don't involve specifically substance misuse. And this is one of the addictions that we're going to address today. And we're going to answer the hard questions and talk about a topic that lots of people are concerned with. So of course, as usual, this show brings in the experts. And we have one today. And I can't wait for both of us to to uh, explore this with him, Dr. Pat. Yeah. So the name of this episode is exploring sex addiction with justin wolf who is a licensed clinical professional counselor justin is uh, born and raised in naperville illinois and the director of clinical services at Footprints to Recovery in Chicago, and I have used them before with quite a few guests. Justin has worked in the behavioral health field for over a decade, primarily focusing on personal and relationship damage caused by substance abuse and process addictions, such as gambling and sex addiction. And sex addiction is exactly where we're going to focus on today. What I like about Justin and what he said to me in his bio is that he likes being in a position to hear individual stories and help them reclaim their lives and inspire feelings of hope at a time when they feel lost. And in today's world, we are really sometimes feeling very, very lost. So it is my pleasure on Recovery Recharge to bring Justin Wolfe to the table. How are you, Justin? Nice to hear from you
2: doing great and thank you both for having me join you here and talk about this topic that I mean just kind of seems, seems to be in the news and we're hearing a lot more about it with our times today yeah so okay yeah. you taking time to have me here yeah all right
0: let's start from the beginning those of us that are not really sure and don't really know can you put a definition on what sex addiction actually is
2: so what sex addiction is is kind of contrary to the popular belief because when you ask like the general population or just somebody in the streets, like, "Oh, what's sex addiction?" I don't know. Sounds fun. Sign me up. It's very much not that. And we're looking at a repetitive pattern of using uh, sexual fantasy and behaviors to escape, to self soothe, to what what a lot of people will actually term it and describe it as: "I'm not trying to feel good." I'm trying to feel less. And so they escape into these fantasies, such as masturbation, cyber sex, random, like multiple affairs going on simultaneously. And these tend to be very much of what the lifestyle is conveyed around is sex is driving my behavior, the way I present myself and the way I view other people, as well as the way I view myself.
0: That's very interesting. Could you tell us, give us an idea of when possibly we can see the signs of sex addiction in someone, how early this may begin and what we're looking for?
2: So in my experience, when I'm kind of working with somebody who's identifying sexual addiction being a primary problem for them, we're usually looking at the roots of this being entrenched in childhood. And what we're looking at there is attachment issues, difficulty with feeling connected to other people. So the mind goes, oh my God, reality is really hard. This is really tough right now. I'm gonna create this fantasy world that I'll feel a little bit more safe and secure in. So we're looking at people who are getting introduced into pornography. And I think the most uh, recent statistic I saw is that the average age of introduction into pornography is 11 years old. And that's due to just the easy access that we're seeing in the internet nowadays.
0: Dr. Pat I I always think that it's so parallel uh, parallels substance misuse in the fact that kids start from an early age and they're looking to escape things yeah. don't you think there's a direct correlation
1: I think there are a couple things that I I really want to jump in on and really want to hear from both y'all on is uh, let me just let me just date myself for a minute um, I want to go back in time and what a struggle it's been for women to own their sexuality Mm-hmm. And I want to go back. Uh, I read. I read the other day. Gloria Steinem's 88 years old, and I remember standing right next to her in Bella Abzug, and just going down there to Atlantic City, taking that bra off, and just putting that bra out right there in that fire. Right. Um, and I don't want to confuse one's journey to embrace who they are sexually with our topic today. So that's a clarification for me. Uh, because there is a lot of confusion around it and in relationships with this show is not about, um, you will hear comments from one partner or the other, and they will throw that addiction word around. And to be honest with you, that is just not what's going on. It is like somebody is saying to the other person, hello, sex once a year just is not working for me. Mm -hmm. That's why your definition was really important. Yeah. Okay. The other part of this is to really think about the word addiction. You can't stop. Mm-hmm. You are powerless. You will risk your job and and get on your business computer. Hello, you out there. Yes. Put it down now. Stop. You oh. will get on that corporate computer. <laughs> think, right? Yeah, right, Justin? True. You're going to get 100%. on your corporate.
2: <laughs> no. No, because you're, I mean, you're like, but it's so true because guess what ends up happening is I'm using my work computer. I've been reprimanded and I've heard this from numerous people. They've caught me. They check my browser history, but you know what? That's what denial is, right? It's not a big deal. It's fine. I'm just a guy. Like, that's why I hear some guys, right? Like, I'm just, it's not hurting anybody, but I'm using and I'm watching excessive amounts of pornography while I'm on the job for hours at a time. And actually worked with somebody who was driving in the car, watching porn because he liked the thrill it created. Oh, I know. I the know. thrill of
0: watching porn and almost getting killed while he's driving you mean? The, yeah. the yep. high stakes Ain't I could live or bus die bus. with this orgasm situation is what oh you're to me. Oh my god,
1: yeah. Um, and then, I, I, I want you to comment on something else yeah. because I spent a lot of time on debate panels, honestly more than I can imagine, when when the books 50 shades of gray came out and then the movie and the conversation was around addiction. And I said, no, 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 wait, wait. I said, folks, please, you can't talk about it that way until you understand what his journey was and what he was suffering from. So that's number one, yeah. but let's talk to people, you know, there is, there are people that have enormous sex drive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, maybe one of us. It doesn't matter. But let us not confuse it, and and let us try to be kind and respectful to our partners, our spouses, our family members. When you put the addiction tag on somebody, you better understand what you're saying to them, right? Okay, right, Ellen, right? And this Absolutely. is one of these areas that I, uh, Justin is going to get us really super clear about, because. That is not okay.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the difference between, say, addiction and hypersexuality and those feelings of, okay, I'm kind of into my daily porn, but I'm not letting it interfere with my life. There is a line. Explain it to us, Justin.
2: No, and I think that's the part where you get a lot of people, just like with alcohol, just like with other substances, right? They can use it, put it down, and not have a problem with it. But yet if I have that predisposition and my mind knows like I've had those early attachment wounds or I've experienced trauma where I got the genetic predisposition because there's, I look up and down the family tree and I see addiction just lining each branch. Then I know I'm at an increased risk to form this really unhealthy attachment to pornography as a way to kind of self-soothe. And I think that's the right, when we're talking about hypersexuality and we're really kind of differentiating between, is this a compulsion, right? We're kind of looking at that compulsive component of it where we're saying, this is going to the top of the food chain. This is what is driving my behavior. This is what my focus is at. Whereas somebody who's like, no, I'm going to talk to my wife about, you know, my birthday's in six months. I can't wait that long. I'm going to try and push up the envelope because when we're talking about sex addiction, the orgasm is actually what stops it. That's where it ends, so it's all about the buildup, the lead up, yeah. the like the the rituals that are engaged in prior to because once that orgasm hits, then we fall back into that other cycle of now I have guilt, I have shame,
1: yeah. and
2: I'm experiencing the consequences of that.
1: yeah can I ask you both a question? Because this has been an age old uh, battle. Uh, This is a banter battle back and forth between anybody that's any field of anything around addiction and psychotherapy or any version of any of that, including Carl Jung stuff. And it is this idea of sexual fantasies. Uh, We went through a period of time where we had, we went from I can't even say that word, right? Do y'all remember? Well, not you, Justin. You don't remember. Maybe not even you, Ellen. But there was there was a time. I'm right there with you, girl. I'm I remember try- everything you I'm remember. trying to remember like the first time I heard it. I think it was like at a rally with Gloria or somebody. I don't know. Um, I
0: was but, in that crowd. I can tell you, you were right in that now. that crowd. My bra but, went too, okay? Exactly. Yeah. But when
1: you heard that term, you didn't really know what it meant, but you knew that you were having them. You see, it's like, it's like dreaming about Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you know, you're dreaming about it, but you don't really know the meaning of it. Is it okay? Is it not? But can you bring us up to speed with the conversation about that? Because I'll tell you what, I watch the MTV. Oh, do I admit this, Benny? I watch the MTV uh, movie awards every year. I've been watching them since they first came out. And I waited for the end. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what television show would win the top Not now this show won a bunch of awards throughout the night, but I waited, I waited to see, are they going to relate to this show? Because if this show got the award, it would literally and iconically represent every form of addiction, every form of sexual fantasy, every form of issues in the LGBTQ community, every form of drugs on the street, every form that young people are going through now that nobody wants to talk about. And it won it's euphoria and there was so much there's so much in that show about sexual fantasy and you can see when the line gets crossed can you really talk to this because dr ruth made a career on telling people it is okay in her yes you where do we draw the line where does the line get crossed
2: Right. I think that's the part when we look at sex addiction and we're saying, here's the line. We're looking at that preoccupation. We're looking at this is just ruminating in my mind, feeding it. And I'm just kind of fixated on that. And it's pulling me away from all these responsibilities I have in my everyday. It's affecting my relationships. It's affecting the way I interact and relate and view other people because now I'm going to start viewing people as sexual objects or i'm going to look and say how do i present myself in a mo- in the most sexual like that i can because it's going to influence what i wear to the gym it's going to influence where i go to dinner it's going to influence the car that i drive like it kind of gets factored in where it's i'm saying everything is all directed at feeding this and what you're kind of like highlighting and identifying there is what's really kind of known and referred to as like the trance we're talking about this trance where we're kind of like, this is where my mind's going. And if I'm stuck here, it's pulling me in. And it's hard to kind of pull myself out without then kind of going to the next stage of engaging in my rituals.
0: Yeah. It's almost the same way we go through when we get high, right? If we're active in our addiction, we get that sense of being in a trance and everything is just preoccupied with that buzz, with that high state. When Dr. Ruth came out, the best thing that I loved about that was the fact that we were able to talk about it, sex in general. Just mentioning the sex (laughs) word was the biggest deal. You said sex on TV, you know, I mean, that was just... Just impossible. Nobody did those things. I know Justin is like you know he doesn't understand. Like who the heck's Doctor Ruth? But, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 going to that, Justin, those are very big points, and I know that we have made a list together of some of the particular signs of sex yeah. addiction. Yeah. And and I'm just going to name some of them, and I want you to name some more. You're talking. You were talking about obsessive sexual thoughts and spending excessive time on sex. I mean, just think about it all the time being preoccupied with it to the exclusion of all other activities and and you had mentioned that kind of gearing your day around everything sexual what else would be signs of sex
2: addiction you know and i think i just want to kind of piggyback off what you just said there because i think it's important to really kind of give a picture in terms of like the scope and the magnitude of just how much time this consumes so when they did a study and they kind of researched and they saw those that identified and met criteria for having a sexual addiction spent on average about 11 to 12 hours looking at internet porn and a day a day oh my goodness and i mean it is profound the fact that you look how much time and commitment and focus that takes in terms of pulling people away right and you look at sex addiction being very similar and consistent with that of just other substance use disorders or behavioral addictions. When we talk about a loss of control over the behavior, over the impulses, over the urges, you look at the negative experiences that people experience as a result of, I lost my family. And this is a very common thing. My wife's talking to me about divorce and I'm highlighting more about guys right now. And I know that (laughs) because I've interacted much more with men than females because they'll they'll present differently. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of keep in mind when we're looking about this because you highlighted it earlier where we're talking about just the power of the word sex and the impact of our just communities and the ways that they view that. But what will end up happening, too, is you're going to see tolerance and escalation happen over time, where I'm going to start now kind of branching in these different avenues of pornography that maybe are crossing lines. That violate my cultural, my religious, my personal values and beliefs, but I'm kind of going there, or maybe I'm now starting to venture into some other avenues that I haven't kind of gone down before. I might be going in cam girl and cam guys, and I might be going into the massage parlors. I might kind of buy the toys and the devices. I might kind of all go down this road that's different.
1: I just got to wow. comment on the toys and devices yeah. because I just want to. I just. <laughs> I, I I just want to make a statement.
0: Go We're talking it.
1: about the excessive nature of this, and especially for women. You know, the greatest rev- revolution and freedom aspect was when women gave themselves the right to to do their own version of what sexual pleasure was, uh, and hence <laughs> the toy industry. But one of the things you said, I really want to I want to get to this, Ellen, because it's the first step. Whether it's sex anonymous, whether I don't—it doesn't matter what it is. But in your world, Justin, in the work you do with people, there's a second component that our lives have become unmanageable, and we need to talk about that for a minute. Because if you are like on the the deal, like ten hours a day, hello, your life is unmanageable. If you're doing stuff at work like that, is like a crazy town. Your life is unmanageable. If you cannot sit down and eat dinner because somehow you cannot wait to finish dinner ignore your entire family sneak to the bathroom and get on your phone what is that justin
2: yeah i mean you're ta- you're just nailing it right we're talking about like this just we're existing in fantasy i'm existing in this fantasy world i'm disconnected and i'm not really fully present and i've kind of entered my own trance in terms of i've heard it from numerous people where it's like i'm at thanksgiving dinner and all I'm thinking about is sneaking off and shooting attacks and seeing who I can meet up with and where we can go.
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm not really existing and present here. I mean, that's the power of when we're talking about addictions, we're talking about denial and gaslighting, where it's like, hey, guess what ends up happening? My phone, I my phone just keeps dying. I don't know. I just have very, at and is just a terrible provider. I don't know why I just keep cutting out. Like, But these are very common things. Or guess what? I have to go on a business trip for three days and there's no cell reception there. It's the the length and the extent of the denial and the gaslighting that takes place that occurs to keep this alive. Going. and
0: that's and that's if everything is all legal, okay? because when you go into some of the more prevalent signs of severe sex addiction, you're talking about stalking, rape, child molestation, sexual offenders. I mean, the criminal activities as to where this can go that could be, detrimental to one's life and 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 uh and health i mean for sure so that's much more serious but certainly mm. this is the pathway it yeah. can lead to this pathway yeah. just yeah. like uh drugs and alcohol can lead to what do, what do we say mm-hmm. in the rooms jails institutions and death pat yeah. right uh, that's yes. what we say
1: yeah we don't so, want to visit that today so
0: <laughs> with this i wanted to ask you something i wanted to ask you something pat do you think that sex addiction is more prevalent in men than in women before we ask the experts. What do you think, Dr. Pat?
1: Do I think so? Yes. Oh, there's you no question in my mind is... about yeah. it. And yeah. I'm not addressing it from... Um, let me just say I'm not addressing this casually. I'm addressing it culturally, and I'm dressing it... Be, I'm dressing it from a cultural and behavioral perspective, because I don't even want to talk about women. First of all, we basically grew up in cultures that are like Handmaid's Tale, right? I mean, we have changed now, but even now, when 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 a teenager walks out of the house for the first time and has got that short skirt on, right? Hello. Who is the first one to say no you're not? Dad. Is it the mom or the dad? It's dad. Right. Dad's why? the
0: first person to say you're not.
1: Why though? Why? <laughs> but yeah, let's let's get underneath everybody that. Everybody
0: out there is like dad was at no, 16 years well, old. That's But why. The dad may be like that now. Oh, and
1: so right. I, I'm not <laughs> saying this for all dads. But it's not really, for me, it's not a problem. And let me explain what I mean, Justin. And then I want you to talk about it because you know, at, you know, at Footprints to Recovery, you cover everything, you cover things, but here's what I want to say. There's the socialization that enable men. This is a generalization. It's not everybody, but there is a socialization that enable men to feel comfortable with their body. Hello. What if we put open urinals in the ladies room, but there is this socialization from day one, which you would say, I can't speak to this, Justin. You're going to have to jump in here. I can only tell you about the research. There's a socialization in the world of men that they have an opportunity to either feel better about themselves or worse. It depends on what's going on in the urinal, but there's a socialization where you are basically forced in a public arena to not be provided a privacy and most men that i that i've worked with will say that is like no big deal from day one Mm -hmm. my dad kept the door open like i'm learning how to pee and my dad kept the door open women don't have that and even if women did have that it would come under public scrutiny Mm -hmm. I mean, if a if a mother on an island has a daughter that is fully unclothed, because I got to tell you, on some of the islands they grow up not wearing clothes, and, and runs into the water, it's kind of ohana. Mm-hmm. You do that in a Bronx public pool, and they're going to lock you up. <laughs> but my answer is based on our culturalization and socialization. I just want to talk about this, this country. However, when you go to other countries, I'm not as sure. I'm not as sure as of South America. I'm not as sure as Italy, but generally speaking, I think men have felt a sense of freedom. Now I'm not equating that to addiction. So I just want to be clear. That's my two cents.
0: Justin, is sex addiction more prevalent in men and and does it come from a culture and societal thing?
2: Well, to answer your question, Dr. Pat, when you're talking, when you're talking about like the 16 year old daughter wearing the short skirt, I'm like, oh my, I have a daughter. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not going out in a short skirt. Exactly. Because No, it's like spot on. It's like, wow, how'd you get my, in my head? (laughs) The thought is like, because I know how guys operate. We know where our minds go. And to kind of go piggyback off what you're saying, like in terms of like the social and the culture where guys who engage in sexual behaviors get viewed as like from a young age, you're a stud, you're a ladies exactly man, you're a John right. Juan, whereas females who engage in sexual behaviors or are sexually acting out, get called a, slut, a That's right. slut. Right. We kind of have these double standards for our society. So to kind of get back to Ellen, your question, like, is sex addiction more prevalent in men? Yes, yes it is. Because men are much more willing to open and identify with it. Whereas for females, they will or for the ladies, uh they will come and they will present with another issue. And a lot of times what you're looking at are relationship or attachment yeah. issues and problems that they're having. Yeah. And that's kind of what's underneath it. Yeah. I I
1: would love for, I would love for them, for men and women to meet in the middle. I really would. I mean, it has been, you know, the people that I do with the work that I do with couples, you know, what I really watch is that's what I help them with. You know, how do you get to some place where you're going to move that way a little bit and you're going to move this way a little bit, because honestly, calling me for an appointment because your husband cannot stop talking about how really amazing Charlize Theron looked in the Mad Max Furiosa when she (laughs) shaved her head and he's talking about it for a week that is so so come in we'll talk about it
0: i'm just looking at her kicking butt okay and 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 i'm saying oh my god i
1: agree with him i'm ready to get a poster i'm going to do my hair (laughs) But it comes from a base of insecurity and unknowing, and and that's why you're here today, Justin. See, we have to have conversations that say, I bet you feel the same way your husband does about her. I just bet that. There you go. Okay, okay, let's have that chat. Actually, we did have that chat. But you see, we have to allow for a greater understanding. But you nailed it, both of you
0: we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back as we have much more on exploring sex addiction with justin wolf stay with us
2: tune into the dr diane show where we explore revolutionary expansion of mind body and soul every thursday at 8 a.m pacific 11 a.m eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. i bring over 20 years of expertise as a mindset warrior perspective shifter, and unshakable optimist dedicated to helping you reach your wildest dreams in business, health, performance, and relationships. Join the discussion on the show. Learn more about me, Dr. Diane, and receive a free digital copy of my magazine at naturalnutmeg.com.
1: Hi,
0: I'm Mary Jane Mack. And yes, our office is open and we are doing strictly phone consultations. If you would like to call and get tuned up, it's perfect time with everything that's going on and things aren't calming down. Pick up the phone and give us a call. It's quick and easy and it's fun. If you'd like more information on it, you can look at maryjanemack.com or call our office at 888-777-4232. What if you could enter a sacred vortex of love and beauty infused with the power of the earth and ascended masters? Join myself, Dr. Georgia Herrera and Dr. Sharon Martin in, in the, the sacred, sacred magic, magic show. Bring in the mystical and sacred for healing, airing every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You too can have your health and life challenges melt away. Join now and feel your
1: heart open up to the answers to your most important questions.
2: There isn't a magic pill to creating your healthy lifestyle. Yet it doesn't have to be hard or feel impossible. Health works from the inside out, connecting both your body and your mind. Georgette LePage lives and breathes what she teaches, so allow her to be living proof of what can work for you. Connect with her now for a free 30-minute discovery session to see what results you are looking for and how she can help you get them. Visit GeorgetteLePage.com.
1: Tune in to Awaken Your Magic Within, reveal unconscious systems to discover your unstoppable freedom power. Join me, Tracy Lynn Wallace, on TransformationTalkRadio.com the first Tuesday of each month, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, to gain insight, direction, and tools to uncover limiting beliefs. Get ready to step into your unstoppable power to discover and uncover your magic within.
0: I am Coach Martez and I am Licensed Therapist with Drina Layton. We want to invite you to join us on the Coach Martez and with Drina Layton show where we discuss understanding love, accepting truth and changing your perspectives. Relationships are the currency to life and so many couples find themselves broke in their relationships. We want you to join us for a lively discussion and practical tips and insights on how to turn things around and gain the Merit for Life mindset pushy Broad from the bronx you are on my show recovery recharged with my wonderful co-host dr pat and we are talking about sex addiction with our expert justin wolf justin we have really gotten into it today and i want to continue this discussion let's talk about some, some specific possible causes of sex addiction and let's keep in mind that this can apply to both men and women
2: so when we talk about where does this come from, because that's at the age old, everybody wants to know, where did this start? How, why am I presenting today with what I got? And what we go back and what we trace this back to very often are those childhood injuries, those injuries that occur early on in a terms of attachment with to their caregivers. Maybe it was a parent who was always distant and their mom and dad would always get into fights and dad was drinking. And so mom was caretaking or vice versa. Mom was drinking and dad was trying to put out the fire. So the kid didn't experience it. And there's the kid upstairs crying, not knowing what's going on in their household. So they escape, they create this fantasy world. And I think that's the thing where you look at the pattern is started at a young age and it's not starting focusing fully on the sexual escape or the sexual fantasy. It's focusing on just creating a fantasy that is really derived at getting out of what the current reality is and really kind of like the premise behind it is I'm trying to fix what I feel as opposed to I'm trying to heal what I feel, which are two very different approaches there.
0: That's very poignant. I'm trying to fix what I feel as opposed to I'm trying to heal what I feel and also probably be nurtured by it in an
2: unhealthy way, would you say? Very much so. I mean, so I think that's where we kind of look at these insecure attachment styles where things are unpredictable and this fantasy becomes the one predictable stable force that the individual can turn to time and time again during stressful emotionally turbulent times.
0: Well, in Footprints to Recovery, one of the things that you do is make the connection very often between sex addiction and how it's linked to substance misuse. Can we talk a little bit about mm. that and what you're seeing? Hmm.
2: So what we tend to see, and there's one case in particular that I, that kind of like just jumps out to me. I've worked with her for quite some time. She's been in numerous programs and she does a fan, and she was a fantastic individual in terms of just acknowledging and noticing hey, like I might also not just struggle with substance use, I might also have a problem with my sexual addiction here. And what kind of brought that to the awareness was looking at the early attachment style that she didn't have. She came into this world and she wasn't brought up by her birth parents and didn't know who her birth parents really were until she was older. And then at the same time, She felt an emotional disconnect from the people who adopted her. And then she goes into a social setting and doesn't really connect, but knows that when she goes home from school, like the one vivid memory is, I went home and that that physical contact I got from mom, where she would hug me and say, welcome home, I love you, made me feel so good and so taken care of that. As she got older and struggled socially, she learned as people mature and- she got pressured into engaging in sex with this young man who then tended to exploit her. And she learned very quickly how to escape into her own fantasy. And I think that's the part of when we look at what a foundation is, we'll often find these early experiences of abuse and exploitation that you look at the coping skills, the way that she said, hey, I got to take care of myself. So every time that she was no no longer Actively using, she'd have these periods where she was then sexually acting out. And she had a list of individuals she would go back, she would contact. And this is no different than anybody else that I've interacted with that has sex addiction. Like, I know who I'm calling. Here's my old flame. Here's my old coworker. Like, here's the same prostitute that I've used numerous times. I'm gonna go eat at the Chinese restaurant because guess what? She works across the street. Um, but I just happen to be in the neighborhood. It's ironic, right?
0: Wow. That's really something. And I know that you do a lot of work in this arena and you really do connect it because you work in substance abuse and sex addiction. Can you tell our audience where we can find you or where we can get help in this area? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we have our company website. It's Alia Health Group. So there's a number of facilities. I believe we have 13 facilities that are kind of spread throughout the country at this time. And Footprints to Recovery, Itself, where I'm stationed out of is in Elgin, Illinois. And so we offer both, we have a residential setting. We have a sober living attached to us, or I'm sorry, a recovery home attached to us, much different than a sober living <laughs> because it has 24-hour support on staff Wow. through all hours, right? To kind of look at, because when you look at a lot of people who's like, hey, I let go of my relationship to using, I feel really uncomfortable. I feel like there's a hole missing now inside of me. I'm going to look at that other person now to form it and or to fill it i'm sorry and i'm going to form this really unhealthy attachment and i think people do that early on because they're searching for intimacy but what they're really mistaking that with is intensity it's that intensity of what they're experiencing early on that gets mistaken as Mm -hmm. intimacy and they keep chasing that. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and i want to just i want to drop something in it's really not for this show but i want to drop it in um We're talking in generalities today to represent, you know, the majority of the population or the majority of situations we're aware of. I I do want to address this, that when you are a young person and you are in the journey of your own sexual identity and you are not sure of that, there will be times when you might do some things that seem like what we're talking about, but it's actually not it's you figuring out that i'm a gay woman i'm a gay young teenager i'm a gay young man i'm a a young transgender person and there is a separate exploration for that that may sound like this and i say this only because parents Mm -hmm. they take a look at that and they want to put it into a whole different category that is not correct that journey of a young person or any person for that matter that is in the process of saying, who am I really? Who do I love? Really? That is a whole different conversation. So please don't put it in this one. I just want to make that little, what is that called? A little disclaimer caveat right there. Mm -hmm. Um, that's also, (laughs) that's also in euphoria. But one of the things that I want to really get back to is that I want to ask you this, Justin, and thank you, Ellen, for this look, In addiction recovery alcohol and drugs if you're watching your friend or family member they cannot stay sober they cannot show up clean they got white powder on their nose at thanksgiving there's a point by which you say i've got to do something in some cases it's easier because the behavior appears to be more unmanageable more harmful and more out of control that's the insidious nature of sex addiction it doesn't appear to be that way and yet the reality justin is it is right
2: yes very much so very much so and i think you're bringing up this really big important area to kind of discuss when we're talking about the betrayal that the partner experiences because that is so critical we're not talking about hey you left me for this substance and you lapsed like i i thought you were working the program i thought you were showing up in the rooms they talking to your sponsor doing x y and z no you are sleeping with other people and you're choosing somebody over me a lot of times and now the most painful part of this isn't the fact that they're sleeping on like sleeping with somebody else sleeping on somebody that'd be weird uh but it's the fact that does happen though yeah i know i just fell asleep here i don't know how that happened (laughs) That,
0: that that's when you put sex addiction drug we addiction alcohol right addiction together. together i was just gonna say the same thing we've we've been there right yeah oh my god that's
1: a whole oh, nother who show right
0: uh, <laughs> i think i'm turning yeah. red <laughs>
2: no goodness. but that that's the most po- like the most painful part is they go look i can't trust you at all yeah and a lot of times the people around them go like how'd you not know i knew this for a while like i thought I thought you were aware of what they're doing because the partner doesn't want to see that the partner wants to because they love them unconditionally right they love them they want to believe that they are putting their best foot forward and that these things all make sense the reason why their cell phone's not working anymore or reason why they didn't come home last night until three in the morning and they had glitter on their body like they want to make reasonable explanations for this.
0: Exactly, and that's what you also talk about, the gaslighting, and one of the things that you're bringing out today, which is really important, is to talk to all of those people that might very well be dating a sex addict and not really be aware of it, and also keep thinking, maybe there's something wrong with them, maybe they're not doing enough, maybe they're not giving enough, maybe they're not sexual enough. You have to understand the difference between what you can do in a normal relationship and what is a problem. And that's yeah. really important. So let's just speak for a moment to the person who is potentially dating a sex addict. What do they do? How do they handle this?
2: Right. And I think that's the part. And I love the examples you you kind of provided there because that's exactly what happens with the gaslighting. They are intended to feel as if what they're doing is their fault and it's not their fault. Because they're kind of saying, hey, you got to own this for me. No, that's not the case. And one of the most telling signs that I hear very often from the partner is they just seem distant. They don't seem present. There's some like big like barrier here that I just can't really put my finger on. But there's something here that I don't know what's going on. It's like they tell them, and I heard this one person say like, oh, yeah, they used to tell me they'd be home right after work at 6 p.m. And then they come walking the door at 8.30. I go, what are you doing home? It's 8.30. You should have been here two and a half hours ago. And they look directly in eye and they go, well, I told you I'd be home at 8.30. I don't know where you got 6 p.m. from. And they just start the gaslighting. And then they take And then they take it up a notch because that's what ends up happening with denials. They commit to this, right? And they're like, well, even if I was honest, you wouldn't mm-hmm. believe me. So yeah. now they're kind of going full circle with the gaslighting to kind of keep them yeah. questioning their own reality.
1: I need to jump in on something yeah. because I just got a message from somebody who wanted me to ask this question and I'm going to answer it. Yeah. There is not a direct relationship in statistics or actions or outcomes between somebody that cheats a lot and addiction. So I just want to be clear about about research and where we are with this, right? Some people cheat repeatedly, but do not meet, for lack of a better word, the criteria for sex addiction. So, hello, I just wanna say that. So don't be going like he cheats, he's an addict, right? Two different deals. Others who cheat repeatedly use cheating as a sexually addictive behavior and can definitely get into benefit from from being given uh, sexual addiction treatments, right? So I just wanna be really clear because we start to make these generalizations. If your person is cheating on you, that is cheating on you. You got to deal with the cheating on you. Whether or not they're addicted, hello, don't eat the cheating. that Cheating is the number one thing you got to address. Whether or not they're sexually addicted or not. The other thing I want to talk about, and if you could talk about it, is we make characterizations about addicts and alcoholics, right? I mean, come on. Everybody does. Oh, you're an addict, alcoholic, where are your tattoos? Or, you know, I can't be wearing a business suit. Okay. So we've changed a little bit. We also do the same with sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. We will look at a person and we will say, I know him. Harvard right. graduate him. Right. We we'll use words no like way. depraved or perverted. No right. Woo. He doesn't even have any tattoos. Right. We had to take that whole deal off of the table and say, sex addiction doesn't know any boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely criteria is not having a tattoo. As a matter of fact, that is not the statistics on any of this. And it, it can affect anyone at any
0: age at any time, Justin, Ellen, right? Without a doubt, and a disease for sure. But as we're winding down now, I want to get to the upside of this because this is Transformation Talk Radio. So let's talk about is recovery really possible and what kind of treatment is available? Let's talk about that, Justin.
2: So recovery is possible. And I think that's when we kind of talk about the disease of addiction, it's that lifelong affliction, right? And I can live a life of recovery while kind of carrying this with me. And I think that's where. Couples counseling, family counseling, individual counseling is so important because we're having those open and honest conversations and really exploring and starting to heal those wounds. We're starting to re and retell like what it is that our life is going to be and how we're going to play this out and how we're going to cope and what support looks like. And I also feel like, you know, getting involved in 12-step recovery groups like SLA, sex and love acts anonymous like is in incre- right is incredibly powerful you have coda for the family members oh my gosh and so codependence is not right <laughs> like
1: coda is uh, coda is one of the most powerful in my opinion of all the programs and i'm telling you it is not for the weak-hearted yeah but it will transform and help it, right yep. And and coda and just to be clear even though we're using codependence as a phrase this is the place where you get to get help to really be able to take care of yourself despite who you're in relationship with, right?
2: Totally. Absolutely.
0: And, Go ahead, Justin.
2: Sorry. And cause like I kind of put we put codependency out there. It's this is really a bad thing. <laughs> I know. And these people get like chastised. Like, why are you still with them? Like you should leave them. They're they're good for nothing. It's like here you are saying, I love this person exactly. so much that I am willing to kind of weather this storm with them. And they inadvertently get so much thrown at them as like they're failing when they're they're really hurting and they're in a lot of pain. And these people are trying to like bend over backwards to take care of their loved one afflicted with this disease. It's just like somebody who's getting cancer treatment. It's like, oh, you have cancer? It's on you now. Good luck. No.
0: (laughs) This disease. No, but that's for sure. But just like everything else, there are boundaries, because yes. what happens in a relationship, especially when you have an addict and a person that's trying to help, is that that person can help so much that they lose everything, including their identity, and they and there is an enabling situation. The old, the old things that I have always learned about codependency is that there is a distinct difference between caring and caretaking, yes. and that in itself is something that one learns in CODA meetings. So, because we talk about sex addiction and how much it affects everything and how much it affects mental health, and there is a treatment for it, are we treating sex addiction like a disease, like substance misuse? Do we call it a disease?
2: I mean, the DSM-5 doesn't recognize it yet. (laughs) But then again, when you kind of go back years ago and kind of look at gender dysphoria in the DSM-3, where I mean, it's just part of the evolution. Gambling disorder finally got kind of recognized in the DSM-5. And I think we're starting to kind of see a trend in that direction where people are not morally judging this because the people that are caught up and afflicted with sexual addiction, they're not having a good time.
1: No. No. And this is actually, you're bringing out a really good point. I, I think that, let's just make a statement. People that are caught up in addiction, while it may seem they're having a good time, the burden that they carry from one minute to the next is a burden. It doesn't matter how you look at it. And yet what I love that you're talking about is there is a solution here, yeah. but I, w- I want to make this comment, Ellen and, and Justin, and really drive it home. You really do need to work with a professional. You need to go to a place that understands the multidimensional nature of addiction. I do not believe that you can take an ebook course online and call yourself good right? Maybe there are a couple of people that can do it, but then I don't know that I put you under the sex addiction category. The other thing to be really mindful of, you may cross a line that you didn't mean to cross and it will cause you legal ramifications. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You will go to jail. In the world that we live in, the digital blueprint we live in, the difference between accidentally clicking on a pop-up that you didn't mean to pop up automatically triggers a whole wave of alerts across government and legal. This is a whole new world. See, right before yeah. there wasn't that. But this is a whole new world. So the danger of what could happen to Ellen, unmanageable, the wow. danger has such a multidimensional impact, even if you didn't mean to click on that pop-up, right, Justin?
2: Correct, correct. And you said something a second ago that kind of just made something pop in my head that I want to kind of like put out there, because when we're talking about this and you're talking about working with a professional that understands this disease and kind of gets all the aspects and the variants, a big part of this is really making sure in the therapy office there and in the room that the disclosure there because a lot of times the partner will kind of press and say i want to know details i want to know everything and sometimes people make the mistake of doing that at home and that goes very poorly because there's nobody there to moderate it there's nobody there to give direction to kind of be the go-between and there's no planning or preparation ahead of time so it really sets people up to kind of really end the end their relationship because of the information and the way in which it's coming out So that's why it's really important to do those conversations within a therapy office.
0: You're absolutely right. And understanding more than anything from both of you, not only does that need a professional, but you have to yourself seek out a professional that specializes in sexual conversations and sex addiction. Just because somebody does specialize in addiction and maybe substance misuse doesn't necessarily mean that they are familiar or can handle professionally sex addiction. So someone like Justin Wolf and Footprints to Recovery is the place to go. Yeah. When you need more and Information about it not only from justin directly but you can go and call me at 800-889-1757 pushy broad from the bronx you can call the station transformation talk radio we will get you justin's information because you do need a professional let's spend the last four minutes and let's talk about some success stories and some successful outcomes in terms of the work that you have done and then leave us with a message something that we really need to know
2: Yeah. So I'll kind of go back to that young lady I was referencing earlier, because at this stage of our work together, she has three years of sexual sobriety along with sobriety from substances. And it's just amazing from where she was in terms of just saying, hey, I don't want to be alive anymore to I'm thrilled. I'm like thrilled to be alive. I'm setting boundaries in my relationships. And she like highlighted this incredible thing called like, I see value in myself. And she's like, I've never seen that before. And she's starting to actually love and say, you know what? I am deserving of somebody who's going to treat me with respect and not just kind of settle for anybody who's going to show up at my doorstep when I call.
0: And that's very important that you said that when you're talking about sexual sobriety, you're not talking about abstinence, but you're talking about healthy sexual boundaries. Yes.
2: Correct? Correct. Because it's just like, it's almost like mirroring like an eating disorder disorder right or disordered eating we're not, the recovery plan from disordered eating isn't you never eat again or you eat till you like get sick no it's developing a healthy relationship with this to the point that it's no longer harming you or other people
0: exactly right and this is what you work with all the time so what do you want to leave us with what's the message today
2: yeah and so i think that's one of When we talk about sex addiction, a lot of it means that we got to get past our own internal stigmas and our own belief system that paints an inaccurate picture. And that when we look at this disease, we're looking at somebody who is deeply wounded and creating a safe place and not judging or evaluating. Because guess what? There is so much judgment and evaluation going on internally. And I'll kind of share this story um there's this young man I was working with and he got called in and his wife's like hey I need you home you got to help out like I'm just overwhelmed with these kids because we all know how little kids are uh and he's like you know what awesome she's like I need you home in three hours he's like great I'm gonna go tell my boss I gotta leave now because that creates this window now for me to go get a massage get get what I want in this moment and then go home and he goes home showers up takes care of the kids his wife leaves wife comes back at nine o'clock he's on the ground he's playing with the kids they're wrestling and he's like she just looks at me with this like glowing smile and says you're the man of my dreams Uh and he and she said this and he goes my heart dropped it just dropped because if she knew where i was right after she called me she'd be disgusted with the individual i am well we know
0: where he can go for help don't we
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. And, and I want to say this, and I'll echo this sooner rather than later. If you have any of the signs that were talked about today, or you see them in your spouse or partner, it doesn't matter whether you're a heterosexual couple or not. But if you see them, please get a hold of Justin. Please give him a call because that is going to be the door opening. Even if you don't know what to do, you've got to call an expert and say, what do I do? I mean, what do I do?
0: That is the place to start, isn't it, Ellen, Justin? Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us today, Justin. Yeah, thank Dr. you. Matt, why don't you take thank us you out? Thank you for having me. I want
1: to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. I want to tell you one other thing about this topic. You know, this is something, thanks to Ellen, that she's bringing to the forefront. We're going to do more and more of this because the statistics now are coming in. Um, COVID did not stop sexual addiction. I just want to point that out. Understanding it. And knowing that you can do something about it is important. The devastation of people that are affected by it and the people that are it, they don't want to be this. They don't want to do this. And for all of you out there, please call Ellen, get a hold of Ellen, because Ellen will help you through the addiction process. Get a hold of Justin, and this is the solution.
0: You've been listening to Recovery Recharged with Certified Life and Recovery Coach Ellen Stewart. Pushy broad from the Bronx. Don't miss your next opportunity to let me help you recharge your recovery, let go of your secrets, and change the way you think, feel, and act right here on TransformationTalkRadio.com.